Thanks, everybody, for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. Just a few housekeeping matters. It gets mentioned a few times on the podcast, but just so you know, on December 17th, we will be doing a podcast live at the premiere of Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, uh, live in the lobby. We'll be having a trivia contest, costume contests, and uh, all sorts of fun activities leading up to the movie. I'll help be on stage to help introduce the film. And uh, all in all, it's going to be a fun night, so get your tickets now. They're available on movietickets.com. Again, that's the Pickwick Theater, 7 o'clock show on December 17th. And uh, again, tickets are available on movietickets.com. And here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sorantos, editor-in-chief and host of Out Front here on the Chicago Podcast Network. Joined over the interwebs and Skype are my good buddy AJ Signari. AJ, let's do what we do. Say hi to the people. I know that you're going for the snore, but you sound oh. like Jabba the Hutt breathing. Oh, hey, 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 everyone. Yeah, it's too much <laughs> weed. Too much weed over the weekend in Turkey. That's right. Yeah. So, before we get started on our main topic today, which is going to be about uh, what happened over the weekend here in the city of Chicago, I do want to mention everybody that, again, on December 17th, we, the Chicago Podcast Network, will be doing an event live at the Pickwick Theater. Uh, we'll be giving away some little toys. We'll have a raffle, costume contest, trivia contest, all sorts of fun for all of you people uh, who come out and check out that movie at the Pickwick. And then we'll be posting that show uh, immediately following the movie and uh, doing a review about it right there in the theater with everyone around. So you'll get lots of fun background noise that will drive me nuts as an audio engineer, but will appeal to the nerd that lives deep in my soul. Other than that, uh, that'll be on December 17th, but today, AJ, today we actually are going to do probably what might be our last really serious show uh, before Star Wars comes out, and uh, it's an important one, wouldn't you say? Uh, it is very much so, and a very important topic. The video was released uh, on uh, on Black Wednesday, which is the, I love that there are two days around thanksgiving that have the the black connotation in front of it black wednesday for the bars black friday for the stores and at about four o'clock the video was released on deadspin and dna info and people began protesting uh what they saw in the video which was the visceral reaction to watching that poor person that poor man get shot uh is unlike anything i've ever seen and uh, more so than other videos you've seen, even um, the video of the young man in New York who was put into a chokehold and died. This was excessive force. I mean, you can call it murder, you can call it manslaughter, whatever you want to get into. But that video has kind of kicked off a thing here. And as horrible as you would have thought the reaction was, it wasn't. There was nothing but peaceful protests all weekend here in the city of Chicago. And uh, first off, I just want to say I'm very proud of my city for that. AJ, what was your reaction when you first saw that video? Um, you know, I saw the video and, you know, obviously as a human being, which is kind of at all of what unfolded and everything. And, but the other part of me was... Uh, it's it's Chicago. I mean, <laughs> this is what happens in Chicago. I mean, 
So, I mean, it was it was very disheartening that the the conduct that the officer took upon himself to do what he thought he should have done was just disgusting. And then for it to be another example of what happens in Chicago, um, you know, is just, you know, kind of even more disheartening. The officer, uh, Jason Mantike, we should also mention today is uh, Monday, November 30th. And as of this morning, he has been set with a $1.5 million bond and has been charged with first-degree murder, which is an interesting charge for the DA to put on it. And as much as we could sit here, AJ, and, and really just talk about the 30-second video that breaks your heart, and, and I do want to do that briefly, we we really have to get into uh, what happened with the media coverage of what happened as well. But I do want to say this about that video. When I first saw it, my roommate showed it to me, it looked like that officer got out of the car ready to kill that guy. That's what it seemed like to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. And if that's the you can kind of tell, you know, just from the video, it's like, oh, this is not going to go down very well. Right. And the way that he he steps forward and then just I, the way I described it to people was because I, I did run into a couple of people over Thanksgiving who were who were saying to me, you know, he also should have been listening to the cops. And I said, OK, that's. A, I'm not saying that that's a valid argument to me, but I can see why people would have that argument. You know what I mean? And. What I kept saying to everybody was, I said, hold your hand out like a gun and flick your wrist up every time you say bang and then do that 17 times and realize how many times that is. You know what I'm saying? Because if I just sit here right now and go bang, 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 that's not even 17. That was closer to 10. That's how many times the guy fired. So I understand people being upset, not only in how that video was handled, but also in the, is it an eight-month investigation, nine-month investigation to get to this point, which, if this video was available, how the hell did it take that long? Well, yeah, it's between eight and nine months, but again, I mean, this is one of these things that, you know, is, I've said before, this is not uncommon in Chicago, particularly with Chicago police, and you know, when you have mechanisms like IMPRA in Chicago, and IMPRA is the Independent Police Review Authority, which is appointed by the mayor, and majority of the time it's either um, people from the police union, those who are part of the fraternal order of the police, or retired officers on this panel. And every single case goes before them, and they're supposed to review it and everything. And yet, you know, they don't even go through the legal system. Sometimes it's like, you know, we suspend them, do this, do that, and and that's it, you know. Um, So there's nothing really independent about IMPRA if you're appointed by the mayor's office. Well, just the fact that you're appointed by the mayor's office would imply uh, that you are there to protect the political line of the city. You know what I mean? Like, not to do what's right for the people. And that's a big problem that we're having. I think in, in this story and in many of the stories that are similar to this is that the 
instinct of certain politicians to make sure that they get it right for their own political careers versus getting it right for what actually happened is really starting to affect the way people handle situations like this. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, the run for political cover is more important than getting it right. And the more that I've looked into this, it, it, it strikes you as, first of all, when I first told my roommate about this story, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I was under the impression that this cop had been a relatively clean cop, that there hadn't been a lot of complaints. And I don't know where I got that idea, but the more you read about this story, this is a cop with a history of, of excessive force uh, complaints. Uh, he had, I think, two lawsuits settled against him as an officer right? Uh, through that ridiculous... Chicago policy that basically settles any possible complaints as quickly as possible. And this was a powder keg waiting to happen, and then it blew. And to have people feel that they needed to go to the streets to march, I didn't have a problem with it. And more importantly, though, AJ, I feel that, and I'm going to say something that you and I are probably going to argue about a little bit, but I want you to listen to me before you... I believe that everything that has happened since that shooting with the exception of how long it took, is the system working? How are you defining that the system's working? Well, the officer involved fired those shots. He was immediately suspended. He's been on suspension for nine months. Now, with pay, but that's nothing the city can do about that. That's union-negotiated rules, right? So he's been out, he hasn't been patrolling the streets. The district attorney has, you know... Charged him with murder, which is the charge that fits as of from what you see on that tape. People have peaceably been protesting. There haven't been riots or, and the police have allowed them to protest, which historically in Chicago is, is something we've done since the 1968 Democratic Convention. We're a city that at least learned that lesson since in 1968. So the cops allowed the people to protest. They didn't try to stop them as you've seen in Baltimore or you've seen in Ferguson where the police armed up and were attempting to stop protesters from getting different parts of the city. They allowed a peaceable protest. I believe that this example of what's happening in many... I mean, I'm not saying that it means the system is good, but this is the system doing what it's supposed to do. Do you disagree? Well, if you're using that context, then... Sure, I'll give that one to you. Um, but... The system in itself is really not working. I mean, what you outlined is correct insofar that certain mechanisms have happened and certain processes have happened um, while this has been going on. But what hasn't been going on is that we still have a corrupt police department in Chicago. Um, we still have politicians in office at the county level and the city level that are really not doing their job the way they're supposed to be doing their job. And we still have communities that still feel oppressed when you have officers go down like 63rd Street and people literally go into buildings, you know, for the fear of they don't know what's going to happen. And then once they leave, they come back out in the streets. You know, I mean, that's what goes on. So, I mean... No, the system's not working in the overall aspect of what the city should be doing, but in what you just outlined, it's it's working to that extent. Well, I, I think that the point I'm trying to make is, obviously this kid should not be dead. 
I mean, that's, that, that's abundantly clear. And there are any number of exigent circumstances that would allow you to, not allow you, that make it necessary for you to clarify that statement. However, assuming, and this is the, the part there where it gets a little tricky, that this is going to keep happening, which it, look, right now we don't live in a world where this doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? We don't live in a world where cops aren't shooting young black men. But, when it happens, at least unlike in Ferguson where nobody was indicted, or in Baltimore where the court case was ridiculed out of court, and in New York where no one was put on trial, you have here in Chicago at least the officer is being held responsible for his behavior. And that does go a long way to quelling a lot of the unrest, knowing that someone will be punished for their wrong action. Now getting to what you said, Yes, the system itself is broken. It's weird. The system that exists is working. The system that exists is also inherently wrong. It's a weird thing to say. Do you know what I mean? I do, but did you just say that Chicago cops aren't shooting black kids? No, 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 no. I said that when when it happens, that they're at least being held accountable for it in this example. I know that in a lot of... Well, possibly in that example, but that's not the example of Dante Servin when he shot Rakita Bullard, or when the officer shot Anton Watts, or Flint Farmer, or Dakota Bright. I mean, those cases are still being talked about as we speak, you know? Whereas this one, I mean, this is probably the only one I can think of that, you know, someone in the Chicago Police Department or somewhere wants to get this all firmed up and out of whatever. But, you know, when you have, like, a situation like Dakota Bright where a said officer reported that, you know, Dakota Bright shot himself in the back of the head while his hands are handcuffed behind his back, you know, those are the things, and that officer was never questioned about that. I, I, I under, listen, I am under no circumstances saying that, oh, we've got it all figured out. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that in this one particular case, so far, you couldn't have asked, again, aside from the fact that the young man is dead, you couldn't have asked for things to go in a smoother way. Does that... Listen, if you think what I'm saying sounds insane, please tell me. Cause it- no, I don't think it's insane. Th- so, two things. One, I don't think anything you're saying is, it sounds insane. I, I agree with you that this is a much, quote-unquote, smoother process than other situations that has happened. That is correct. I guess what I'm just saying is um, this, what is going on, Maybe a decent example, and decent is like is questionable. Right, it's hard to least, find the right word to describe what we're trying to say. I, I, I don't know what that word is because I'm trying to find that myself. Other, other, other than that, I mean, I just find this situation more interesting because, as you outlined, you know, officer's been processed. You know, there's going to be a hearing. Blah blah blah. Um, Obviously, this was all on been on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Everyone's watching this, and 
everyone that's coming out of the woodwork is talking about this and actually wants to see some sort of action. So, and you're right. So, and the protesters are protesting and not rioting, not doing what has been done in Ferguson, Baltimore, and all that. And quite honestly, I don't think we're ever going to see that in Chicago because of '68. Not just because of '68, because I don't think people in Chicago, officers in Chicago, want that to happen in the loop. Well, and, and, and I was pointing... That's more of an urban jungle than Baltimore. Really. Which is true. But I was pointing out to people as they were... And I, they, we're going to get to the part of the story that I really want to get into because I feel it's really important. Uh, and, and that is... And it, as you watched the news that night, of watching as much as you could, because I'll be honest with you, and here's the part that I really wanted to get into that I really wanted to talk to you about today. You and I are both members of the media tangentially, right? Like we are doing, we're doing our own thing, but we are members of the media, so we are part of it. Yeah. But we're not mass media. We're not owned by any large corporation. We are, we're ratings driven, but it's ratings for people who like us. Does that, there's no, there, we're not looking to get everybody. We're trying to get as many as we can, mm-hmm. but you, for, to be a fan of the Chicago Podcast Network, You've got to have certain, you've, you've got to agree with us at least slightly on a lot of issues, right? Right. With the mass media, they are trying to get as many eyes on their product as possible, which leads to the classic line that you and I have been raised with. If you've studied media in high school and college, if it bleeds, it leads, right? And for people who didn't study that in college, didn't study that in, in high school, or didn't, haven't worked in it, I don't think they understand how important that phrase is to what goes on on the news nowadays because if it bleeds it leads has destroyed in many ways independent journalism in the united states and there's no better example to me than what happened over the weekend here in the city of chicago when ferguson was on fire 24 hours for 40 actually i think it was close to 72 hours cnn was live on the ground in ferguson the entire time when baltimore was on fire 72 hours on the street the entire time even though there was no violent action by protesters after the first four and a half hours there was no second day of rioting in baltimore but if you watched cnn there was Mm-hmm. That included that shot that you and I talked about back at the old radio station. You, I remember joking about it with you that Don Lemon was standing on the street talking about how he could see looters running back and forth, and the camera pans over, and you're like, "Those are cameramen from other news stations." Right. You know, you're you're creating a narrative to keep your ratings up, which means you're not a news organization; you're an entertainment division. Mm-hmm. And that was no better example than on Wednesday night when I turned on CNN. And they weren't covering the protests here. They just weren't. They went to their normally scheduled programming. But let's be, I don't want to say slightly fair, well, but you have to admit, when, when this thing happened in Chicago, very soon, at, soon before that was what, what happened in Minneapolis, right? Right. So you had that. Then Chicago happened. Then Planned Parenthood situation happened, you know? So, but Planned Parenthood it, wasn't until Saturday, right? But my point is, like, even though it was a, was a Friday, like a longer it was period Friday. of time, there were there were, you have three stories to contend with, and I found it more interesting on how quickly 
the media got off Minneapolis and focused on Chicago. And as soon as Planned Parenthood happened, then it kind of shifted over to that while saying, oh, by the way, this is what... No, no, AJ, AJ, I'm telling you, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about like there were other news stories in the in the work that they were covering. I'm talking they went to one of their uh, original series, like right. a documentary show. Like they didn't, they weren't doing live news of something else. They decided on that network that peaceful protests were not as interesting as a 45 minute documentary about the war in Iraq that was a rerun. That's what they showed. They showed Fareed Zakaria's uh, "The Rise of ISIS." Mm-hmm. Uh, right in the middle of all of those protests happening. Meanwhile, WGN had the copter in the air, and you could watch the live feed of the copter, but they were preempted by the bulls. No one was covering the fact that this group of people were standing in the street peaceably. And I feel that that is irresponsible of the media, because the lesson eventually is, burn stuff down or nobody cares. Right. And that's the, that's the issue. Because... We talk a lot, you and I and friends of ours with us, about the fact that society is in a weird place right now with social media and the way that everything can go, that it's important that the good stories get covered now. We are so inundated with the negative that when something, and I don't want to say positive because it sounds so crappy because it involves the death of a young man. But you had protests, you had people on the street getting their message, trying to get their message out in a way that wasn't hurtful to the city. And what did you get news-wise? You got a brief mention of it, and then they moved on to something else. And I understand what you're saying with Minneapolis and Planned Parenthood, but there was a 36-hour window when the only story of that nature that was new and hadn't had anything happen was Chicago and the protests in the loop on the Magnificent Mile on Thanksgiving, and the most you got was a four-minute mention. That's not good enough. If they, if you want to be responsible journalists, if you want to be able to, to say that what you are doing is in the inherent nature of journalism and taking the mantle from Cronkite and Jennings and Brokaw, you need to be willing to, for lack of a better way of saying it, take the ratings hit, but to show people that it can be done without violence. Because I remember all that footage, man, of Martin Luther King when I was in grade school. They'd show us the footage of them sitting there getting hit with hoses and chased down by dogs. And, I, and I've seen peaceable protests work. And I've seen violent protests not work, but they don't cover them the same way anymore. And that is hurtful to society. That's where my problem was on Wednesday night. But you said it before that we're in this strange time with social media and when social media became to be primarily um, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, that between those three platforms, you are your own journalist, essentially, and some people took that as such. So you didn't have to go through an editor. You didn't have to go through a fact checker. You didn't have to go through any other levels that a, an actual um, news station goes through, you know? So because of that, you had people who were available right then and now to capture something before the actual media can actually get onto the scene or even hear about it. And, you know, you can argue that goes back further, you know, with Drudge Report 
putting up about, you know, the Clinton sex scandal before any other media got it, you know? So that was kind of, and that was a blog at the time, Drudge Report, you know? So my point is when you were in this time between blogs and social media that people can do what they want and news outlets view that as, not all, but, you know, smaller ones, I would say, have to contend with them because they're they're the ones doing their jobs. And then they have to do something in order for people to pay for the newspaper or whatever they need, need to drive traffic to and everything. That's how I feel. And I think that's always been that double-edged sword with social media, that it's a good thing that we have this platform to do what we want but at the same token um they don't have people actually um like you said no ethics or or no ethics or fact checkers yeah you know and that and that's a but that to me as someone who i I think you and i man are and, and people our age are in a weird generational gap because our parents' generation grew up with the newspaper and primetime news, right? Mm-hmm. And the generation coming up after us, and, and then I would say anybody who's, what would you say, in college and younger now, you yeah. know, basically, is going to be growing up in the internet is so, like, they have had smartphones most of their lives. So they've had instant access to everything. We're the generation that is still good enough with technology that we have the instant access to everything. But we understand the difference between reading an article on CNN and reading an article on BuzzFeed and what the difference between those two are, right? The generation coming up doesn't have that. And it's a lesson that needs to be taught a little bit more. And when you're talking about scenarios like what's going on here in Chicago or around the country there needs to be journalistic ethics in place. There needs to be fact-checking in place because you can't have people just saying whatever the hell they want is happening and no one is held accountable when they're wrong. At the same token, there is a responsibility in journalism to to present what is going on in the country right now. Wouldn't you agree? No, I agree with that. And, you know, on that point of, like, BuzzFeed and everything, you even have... I was, my mouth dropped when I saw this for the first time. This had been now two months back, three months back, um, watching MSNBC, and all of a sudden, one of the guy, one of those shows brought someone from BuzzFeed in on a panel to talk about issues, and my mouth just dropped. I'm like, you're actually, you're actually giving BuzzFeed legitimacy that they are an outlet to get your news. Which is a respect that they don't deserve. You know, as well as Mashable. I mean, yeah, you can go through and name any of them. I mean, Twitter itself is this weird thing where just because someone's on Twitter, there's this equal footing thing going on, right? Like you, I am as equal to, to, let's say, Katie Couric. Because we're both on Twitter, right? Like, we can both be seen equally. Now, one has a lot more followers than the other, but if I question something she says, it must be responded to on an equal basis, which isn't necessarily fair to her for the organization that she works for, the work she's done to get to that point. Meanwhile, you know, here's just random schlub 
and both people are there. It's it's to me it's that thing that when you flip on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, any of the network news, and they go to Twitter. Here's what's happening on Twitter. Listen, your job is not to tell me what's going on on Twitter. I can do that myself. Your job is to make sure that Twitter doesn't affect what's actually happening. So that when people are saying stupid stuff that you're not being beholden to it. But in the clickbait universe that we live in, somebody says something stupid, it gets a lot of traction. Suddenly every news agency wants to write with it, whether it's right, wrong, or insane. And the next thing you know, Donald Trump is a legitimate candidate for president. Right. You know, it, it's it's just it, it it hurts my brain to think about this. And again, I just don't understand why there aren't AJ. Most of the people you meet in your life on a daily basis are good people, right? Mm-hmm. Strangers doesn't matter. You, you're walking down the street, you fall and twist your ankle. Majority of people are going to offer to help you. You know, maybe mm-hmm. somebody who's having a really bad day isn't, or you're passing an actual sociopath or a supervillain. Right. But they're going to help you. I believe people are inherently good, and I believe that we need to start showing that more when it comes to these kinds of stories. It's not enough to say there's protests going on in the city, but nothing's on fire, so we're not going to cover it. No, you got to show that. You have to show that. If for no other reason than it is your job as a journalist to help society. I believe that that is the job of a journalist, and they're not doing it. And they're and they're they're so hell bent, CNN in particular, on getting higher ratings because they are owned by a massive corporate conglomerate that they are actually hurting society by not covering stuff like what was happening in Chicago, by not, as you have said many times, giving independent candidates a chance to to talk on the same level as other candidates, and by by. Holding on to this corporate line, I feel like they're going to end up causing more harm than giving us actual information. Well, and that's the whole thing is that, you know, I remember studying journalism in college and, you know, was on the student newspaper and did some brief college radio and what have you. And, you know, the whole time you had professors telling you, you know, make sure that you have, especially when I was doing um, investigative stuff around the college as well as in the community, you know, making sure that all my facts were in check, you know. Right. I mean, double, triple check your information because even even the information you have is not legitimate stuff, you know. Um, and just going through that process, you know, and then <clears throat> actually having the opportunity to have like, you know, have like my own radio show and other things I've done and, you know, trying to be careful by combing over all the stories that I want to talk about and making sure that everything is up to snuff and everything. But by God, you know, someone must rather read what was off Facebook and read some garbage on there of what this is what this person said or this story and even outlets that you never heard of you know and you have to go through I'm like well who is this group are they attached to somebody or what have you you know i mean there's so many people creating their own outlets just so they can put the information they want to put out there is just a headache 
you know, and, you know, there's been times that I just exhaust myself. I'm like, I don't know what to cover or what's going on. I'm just going to put it out there. And if you take it, you take it. If not, well, that's not my fault. <laughs> well, I mean, but again, you're not, you're not representing a news organization. You're AJ, and, and you're representing, okay, you're representing Chicago Podcast Network, but realistically, we're not, we're not on that level. We'd like to add, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'd like to be held to that same esteem, but that's not realistic to what's going on. And when you have the big networks and the big paper, put it to you this way. News stories should always be judged on the idea of would the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times print this story? And if the answer to that question is no, then you probably shouldn't post it if you're, no matter what your website is. And that's not realistic to the business model. But the number of outlets is, is, is important. But if you're going to use those outlets to get your news, then it's on the people listening or the people reading to know what those outlets are about, to know where their money comes from so that you know the difference between being advertised to and getting the news told to you. But when you, Look at the situation here in the city where it was a peaceful protest with nothing happening and these organizations aren't covering it. What choice is there but the next time that there's a protest in the city of Chicago to riot? I mean, realistically, if, if you're one of these people trying to stop this stuff, the only time it gets coverage that it, that's necessary is when you're burning stuff down. And that, to me, is the inherent danger of not covering a peaceful protest. And I, I hope I'm wrong, but that's the way it feels to me. The, 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 the lack of that coverage is irresponsible on the part of CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS. By not covering that... They are partially responsible for the next time there's a protest and it turns violent. I truly believe that. But at the same token, what you just pointed out there is <clears throat> it's kind of a manufactured I gotcha moment. In other words, because they don't cover all these nonviolent actions, nonviolent direct actions, and because they don't do it as often as they should, and when a moment comes that there is violence, and then they get to say, oh, look, this is what they're about. And that's what happens all the time with the media, that they manufacture their own gotcha moments, that they don't cover the things that they ought to cover, and when something happens, and something that, if it bleeds, it leads type of mentality, or fits right into the wheelhouse of, see, this is what those liberals do, you know, um, or conversely, when there's a shooting and CNN and MSNBC run with, hey, look, another right winger has killed another minority. Let's sit here and speculate all about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes both ways. Uh, and No, because, I mean, not all right wingers are violent either. Right. No, know? and that's my whole point. And not all... And not all liberals in the city of Chicago are out marching the streets trying to get something done. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not all of them go out and create arson among or shoot up people at facilities or what have you and all that good stuff. But <clears throat> Oh, yeah, no, there's the great story that came out today. You want to talk about the idea of political leaning and uh, Ted Cruz 
said in an interview that, well, it's always possible that the person who shot up the Planned Parenthood was left-wing. And you go, okay, I mean, that's a perfectly valid thing to say, but why are we speculating at all on this person's political leanings when we don't know anything? But immediately right. after that shooting, the and, and look, we're all guilty of it. You heard shooting at a Planned Parenthood. You immediately, your brain goes, okay, well, clearly that person, uh, clearly that person hates uh, people at abortion clinics and everything like that. And you go, well, we don't know that for sure. There's always the possibility that one person he knows was in that building that they were trying to get. Maybe they, you, know, you never know what causes it. But it's, you know, I think I played it for you once, that Stephen King thing, The Shake, where it breaks yeah. down what happens into a shooting. And in this instance, it's exactly that. You literally could look at the guy and go, well, this is what must have happened. You go, we don't know anything. But we're already speculating that this is a person who hates abortions. We don't know that, but that's what we're assuming based on what's going on. And it's a safe assumption, right? It's 80% most likely going to be that. The whole thing, just man, the whole thing. And, and I just, I get so frustrated watching it over and over again, play out again. And then when we finally had a moment where there could have been a reasonable discussion about everything, nobody covered it. And that's, I guess, why I'm so mad. Yeah, I mean... Because let's like face said, it. Like, like I said earlier, I mean, I was at awe, but I was not naive that, okay, this is going to play out the same way it's usually be played out. No, that's exactly what I thought. I thought the city was going to burn. I walked, It was the first thing I said when I walked into my house that night. I looked at my room and I said, so are they saying the city's going to burn yet? Because that's what I thought was going to happen. Because that's what the news has trained me to think is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, Chicago, unless, unless, something monumental happens, um, you will not see the kind of violence that was happening in 68 in the loop. No, that, you, that, might see, you, you might see in the south side of Chicago, the west side, or parts of the north side, but you'll never see it in the loop. No, and, and well, the, the, there's many factors to that. Not the not, first of all, let's be realistic. It was 30 degrees that night, so a lot of people aren't going to go out to begin with. Uh, it's in the loop where there's not a lot to steal. I mean, easily. The stuff you're going to steal is going to be huge, and you're not just going to be able to walk away with it. The layout of the city allows the police to basically be able to direct the, the protesters in any direction they want. The grid pattern allows for that. I mean, there are any number of reasons why you'll never see a violent explosion down in the middle of the loop. And again, there wasn't any of that. Three people were arrested, most of them for being overly aggressive with the police, and you can see that happening. Nobody was charged with any felonies. I mean, it's it was a peaceful protest in the best tradition of a peaceful protest, and it got... Not nearly the mention that it should have as a result of that. And like I'm saying, that opens the opportunity for reasonable exchanges with people. And if we're not going to do that, then the situation just continues to deteriorate. Right. So, I don't know. We got about 40 minutes on this, AJ. Let's just kind of, I, I don't know if we're going to get any further with this problem until we see another solution. But is there anything you want to say in final thoughts, anything on this topic? I guess the only thing I want to say is that, you know, um, in order to keep 
the major media outlets accountable is that all of us need to keep them in check. And that's, you know, either you send letters, you go to the stations, or you go to the newspaper outlets, whatever it takes to say, hey, I'm buying your product. I'm watching what you offer. You need to do it this way. Otherwise, it just you're going to have... Other out, other people create their own outlets that people go to and everything, and then they're going to create more of a clusterfuck than yeah. anything else, you know. And if you are going to do your own um, investigative journalism, then you know, do, go through the process of you know checking your facts and actually hitting the ground and talking to those you want to do a story on, as well as. You know, be passionate about what you want to write about, not just for the sake of writing. Or and always be willing to look at an issue from multiple sides. Right, Captain Picard, um, the son of a bitch. You know, I mean, I myself have a ideology, but you know, hopefully, I don't, you know, oh, radiate wow. that as much as I want to because I want to be as neutral as possible. But so, nonetheless, you know, just keep the major media accountable because if it doesn't you know we're going to see the various things that we see on the major news networks ladies and gentlemen that uh nice wonderful wrap up there is a nice conclusion point thank you very much aj for talking to all of us today say goodbye to the people Bye, people. Uh, this has been Nick Sorantos, Editor-in-Chief and host of the Chicago Podcast Network. We will uh, be coming back to you with a new show on Thursday where we will begin our Star Wars countdown and we'll be doing all the individual movies kind of leading up to it. And like I said, this will probably be the last serious show we do uh, until that happens. So until then, December 17th at the Pickwick Theater, ladies and gentlemen, come meet us and you know shake our hands and see just how sexy AJ and I are together when we're naked and covered in baby oil. Other than that, we out! This has been a production of the Chicago Podcast Network. All rights reserved. No retransmission. All that stuff you hear at the NFL games. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. It's 106 miles to Chicago. we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.